0: And the time that we check in live with R.W. Estella on the phone. Good morning, R.W. Hey, good morning, Allison. The uncertain glory of an April day, which now shows all the beauty of the sun, and by and by a cloud takes all away, muses Shakespeare's Proteus to himself near the close of Act One, in what some believe to be the Bard's earliest comedy, The Two Gentlemen of Verona. Thursday morning I was on Verona Island, thinking of Proteus and picking up Caroline, my department chairman for the ride to Hancock County Airport, and a photo flight that was soon headed north along the Penobscot River to Howland and Enfield, where we turned due east, caught a staunch west wind aloft at a mile high, and made quick work of the 50-mile air route to Grand Lake Stream and Princeton. Riding the 60-plus knots-an-hour tailwind with us, Our GPS revealed our ground speed to be almost 200 miles an hour, meaning we had flown from the purported geographic middle of the state of Maine to its eastern boundary in a little over 10 minutes. And April's in the west wind, wrote England's mid-20th century poet laureate, John Masefield, best known for the poem Sea Fever, part of his memorable anthology, Saltwater Ballads. Apropos of Masefield, we headed south to the sea, to Jonesport, Beals, and Great Wasp Island, only now with a contending crosswind, which allowed us time to reflect on the landscape's ever-thinning layer of snow that gave testimony to the importance of every minute of latitude in this neck of the woods. When earlier we left Bravo Hotel Bravo, the identifier for Hancock County Bar Harbor Airport, the remaining snow there amounted to chest-high windrows bordering the edges of the otherwise dry tarmac of the runways and taxiways. All else at the airfield was straw-colored grass, so much for latitude 44 degrees, 27 minutes. But steadily after departure, flying north, minute of latitude by minute of latitude, we saw more and more snow below us, until by Howland at 45 degrees, 15 minutes, fully 48 minutes of latitude from Bravo Hotel Bravo, the ground everywhere was still covered by at least a few feet of snow. Now headed the opposite direction, we saw the land of ice and snow progressively fading. And I thought of the April of two days before, of the first day of the month of Geoffrey Chaucer's Wand de Tapril with his shower suta, when another friend and I were not so far away on the Union River in Amherst, and then Aurora, fishing the Union's West Branch and Middle Branch, respectively, catching nothing but staying dry and legal, especially so for the lady game warden who obviously timed her arrival to coincide with my standing in a tree and energetically reaching out as far as I could to grab the end of the branch under which I had just backcast my brand new front porch brook smelt streamer fly. Why I decided on that particular artificial fly rather than several others that had been recommended, I don't know. The venerable Isaac Walton in The Complete Angler suggested a stone fly made of dun wool, black wool, and the black drake feathers. Al Cauchy and Bob Nastasi, noted stream sign etymologists for the Trout of North America calendar, listed the Little Black caddis, the Hendrickson, the Quill Gordon, the Blue Quill, and the Blue Winged Olive as good possibilities, the last being a fly that a student of mine at the college had done an analytical report on several semesters ago. In fact, I had a Blue Winged Olive already picked out of my fly wallet when we stopped at the Amherst General Store. Where I fell for the front porch brook smelt streamer fly packaged on the rack. Well, luckily I didn't fall out of the tree when the game warden told me she thought I had probably caught the biggest branch of anyone she had seen during her rounds that morning. No, I simply said thanks, pulled my fishing li- license out of her to out for her to inspect, and separated the artificial fly from the somnambulant tree. After she drove off, Bob and I moseyed off as well in the opposite direction. Getting to the east branch of the Union from where we were meant following a muddy logging road past Spectacle Pond. Bob, however, is a tenacious maner, and not infrequently do we find some wondrous places waiting for us on the other side of a difficulty or two or three. No doubt we had arrived at a sylvan scene right out of Wordsworth or Keats. The river here was about 40 to 50 feet wide, with trees, rocks, brush, gravel, moss, Another assorted vegetable and mineral specimens of various size and color vying for a run of shoreline on either side. Emerging in ripples from under the bridge for about 20 yards, the water then smoothed out into a series of pools created by small islands acting as breaks. I remember Bob, in a decidedly hopeful tone, remarking, Now, if a man can't catch a fish along this stretch, he probably ought to try another sport. I also remember the drizzle and the fog and the general ambiance as I looked down the tree-framed east branch of the Union River far enough so that the river and the trees and the land beyond disappeared. The moment was absolutely out of Keats's ode on Melancholy, a setting simultaneously that fosters and hides the green hill in an April shroud. Yes, for an instant, flying back toward the coast and thinking about the opening day of fishing two days before put me into a melancholy mood. It brought to mind the picture I had seen in the paper the next day, showing fishermen in a sylvan scene somewhat like ours, except they were catching fish, because they were fishing for the right fish on the first day of April, appropriately salmon, not brook trout, which were in our estimation all still comatose, waiting for the water in all three of the locales of the river we had fished today to warm up considerably. But I refuse to really believe that April is the cruelest month Mixing memory and desire, as T.S. Eliot, Eliot became so famous for saying, No, one mistime outing does not a wasteland make. Tomorrow we'll make take a different tact, since the landlocked salmon seem to be waiting for us. And, lest we forget some of our famous birthday folks today, for April 7th, here are a few of the many. Drummers Spencer Dryden from the Jefferson Airplane, Bill Kreutzmann from the Grateful Dead, and Latin percussionist Mongo Santa Maria, musicians Alexander von Schippenbach, Florian Schneider, Janice Ian, John Oates, Ravi Shankar, Percy Faith, and Billie Holiday, actors James Garner, Ian Richardson, Jackie Chan, Wayne Rogers, and Russell Crowe, actresses Elaine Miles and Queenie Leonard, journalists David Frost and Hodding Carter III, Pentagon paper source Daniel Ellsberg, film director Francis Ford Coppola, CIA Director Alan W. Dulles, Politician Jerry Brown, Radio Personality Walter Winchell, Anthropologist Bronislaw Malinowski, Novelist and Short Story Writer Donald Bartholomew, cornflakes and Rice Krispies Inventor Will Keith Kellogg, and Poet William Wordsworth. That's enough for now. And for more in Maine, have a great United Nations World Health Day.